Good evening from Gardenia, my friends. It is a beautiful Wednesday here in the mountains of Arizona. A wonderful place from which to watch World War III unfold. But does it have to be that way? It doesn't have to be. The title of today's show is How to Stop World War III, right? That's what I'm up to. Can you go to World War here in the mountains? Actually, yeah, and I want to address this from a, a really deep perspective, not some of the cliches I've put up on Twitter lately. Uh, if everyone was vegan, we wouldn't have to worry about World War III. Because vegans believe in minimizing cruelty and good animals, right, obviously. Well, if everybody was a libertarian, if everybody was anti-war, we wouldn't have to worry about war. No shit. But why do we fall for that? I, I think I can actually answer this question. How to stop World War III from happening? With a little understanding of what makes war possible. Now, first, some great optimism. Look at the numbers with what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, and Compared to some of the greater trends, compared to how many people that the United States military kills with drone strikes that the American people forget about every year, like it's—I hate to you know compare tragedy to tragedy, right? One death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. But let's compare statistics and look at the scale of things, and look at the work of Professor Steven Pinker, who was shown irrefutably academically that over the course of human history. Violence has declined, followed almost an exponential decay curve. And we are living in the most peaceful times in human history. You are less likely now than ever before to experience violence at the hands of another human being. What a beautiful thing to celebrate! I want to go to you people. Look how far we've come. Let's keep going. But oh, we're still. Some of you still believe. The scams and schemes and fantasies of politicians are worth fighting and dying for? It's, it's 2022. We haven't figured out that that's it's not a thing anymore. But why? Why? Why are we let this? Why was I? Does it look like I look at this for myself? And it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty fucking embarrassing. When, when you understand, like, why I at age 17, decided to enlist in the United States Marine Corps. And I actually said it back then. I wanted my life on the line for something I believed in. I said it back directly, those exact words. I also watched the movie Full Metal Jacket, which is supposed to be an anti-war movie about Vietnam. I want to be the first kid on my block with a confirmed kill. <laughs> That's a line from the movie. And spoiler alert, part of what made me while joining the Marines was in that movie seeing that it was a boot camp challenge that could drive a man to suicide. I was going to survive that. Yeah, be a tough guy. By the way, quick sidebar. There's a reason in the Marines. We have definitely more than our share of, um, uh, of, of, of uh, what, what, I'll skip all the random derogatory military terms. The, the Marines, the male Marines that like other male Marines because it's if you're gay and insecure, join the military because you're going to prove yourself, right? My dad will never look at me as a sissy again, no matter how much I suck, talk if I make it through a Marine Corps boot camp. <laughs> I know of you guys like that. I'm not kidding. 
But for the rest of us, what else? A lack of meaning that we found in the military. Wanting to have our lives on the line for something important to defend those who couldn't defend themselves. And there's something noble about that, right? And the calling inherent to some degree in all of us to be warriors, to put our lives on the line for what we believe in. Not to be soldiers. To get paid to kill for politicians, big difference. And to give up your autonomy in doing so, and by giving up your autonomy, your moral sovereignty. And I can say I did that myself. I tortured people in Fallujah. I followed orders that I should have disobeyed, even by great military law. The desire to disobey unjust orders somehow officially written into the Uniform Code of Military Justice. But why? why what, what, what leads a young man or woman to be in such a beat-down psychological status to say, ah, ha, ha, I will find the meaning by killing for politicians. Funny, but it makes me want to cry. Am I going to cry in another opening monologue? God damn it. It's funny, but it makes me want to cry at the same time because that's, that's the source of all the tragedy of, of, of the military, of all the murders done in the name of government throughout human history. People lacking meaning being fooled and to find that meaning in following orders from people who think they're better than them. Surprise, surprise, you set yourself up for that, you're going to be taken advantage of. Surprise, surprise, when the powers that be figure out that they can foster that, they're going to do it so they can take advantage of you more. And while I believe in human progress, I believe we are in this accelerating phase of coming to an asymptote of the human experience, we are in the midst of a major step backwards that, I mean, you could connect to the rise of modern bureaucratic government centered around fiat currencies going back to 1913 Federal Reserve Act, but really as a global sort of technologically inevitable phenomenon that paper money would be a thing and evil people would take advantage of that system to rip everybody off with the inflation tax. You look back and you go, ah, shit. <laughs> yeah, kind of predictable. And as Ron Paul has said, it is no coincidence that the century of total war coincided with the century of central banking. Without fiat currencies, they can't fund wars. They can't suck the resources out of the economy and convince with that blood money enough gullible young men and women to meet in the middle of a field where none of them live and kill each other because they're wearing different colors. And you know what? You simply can't get away with that in the age of the Internet. At least I thought, but certainly a lot less than before. And aside from the fact that we are learning the truth, I think there's a deeper part of the human awakening that's going on here. Because in the awakening side of things, we can, we can just look at, or the, the, the awareness side of things, we can just look at the, the, the pro-war offer. Come put on a uniform and march around and carry a gun and kill whoever we tell you to, and your life will have meaning. You will have three hops and a cot and a paycheck, and when you come home, you will get all the blowjobs you could want and smoke blowing up your ass and three drinks at the bar. They'll even throw you a parade. Pretty sweet offer, right? If only 
Well, he was even doing all that. It's not. I think there's enough of us who can say that from experience now. And yeah, I do kind of want to take credit for it to be like, yeah, there's, there aren't that many dumb fucks going, oh yeah, I'm going to go join the Ukrainian Foreign Legion and go fight the Russians there. No. <laughs> But there's enough that I'm worried. There's enough to, to drop some pretty big bombs. There's enough to do some serious damage. But the deeper part of this, the really positive part of this, Because it's been said, right, war is a force that gives us meaning, that brings us together, that unifies us. I don't really need it anymore. Not that we ever really did. But they take that meaning from you in all the ways that you have been conditioned. In government schools that sit you down in cemetery room seating, they teach you what to think without how to think. Condition you to be a good little cog in the machine. You imagine if someone who really was beaten down by the system, really struggled to get through because they just had to make it through those 12 years. For someone like that, It's real easy to lie to yourself in looking at militarism and the offer of war. It's really fucking tempting. So how, how do we stop it? The bigger thing, the more positive side of that, the finding meaning. I know that I'm doing it for myself. I know that I am far deeper affirmed in my humanity as a builder, as a creator, as a lover, and even as a warrior, when called, than as a soldier. I think enough people have that. I'm very confident that if everything that the powers that be are set to is depopulation and destruction and the world war as as the worst predictions have laid forth i don't think they're going to get away with what they have been able to get away with in the past i just can't so how do you prevent world war three Find that meaning creation. Turned resolutely away from destruction, grounded in love. And share it. And hey, I think even if World War III wasn't happening, that's probably a pretty good way to live. And with that, let's talk about something that doesn't make me cry, okay? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, yeah, happy Wednesday.
It's uh, March 16th. It's okay. Weed will fix it. Oh, yeah. Let's smoke some weed. So I really didn't mean to get that emotional. I mean, I had this, like, abstract idea off the top of my head for, uh, for an opening monologue. It was just like, yeah, all right. But uh, I, hope, I hope it helped me get <laughs> Thank you, dear. All right, let's get, uh, let's get Zoom and Joey up on screen here so someone else can talk. Read some of these comments. Now, wait. What's going on, everybody? I hope you enjoyed that opening monologue. I did. Uh, I like what you said there. Uh, at one point, I was thinking, it made me think about a video I saw going around Facebook of a bunch of uh, Russian soldiers or whatever that were captured by Ukrainians, and they were going through talking to them one by one. And apparently, uh, like 90% of the people in the group out of the dozen Russian soldiers that were caught, they were, they were saying that they were literally school teachers who were contacted by the Russian government and told they're going on a training exercise, a military readiness exercise. They weren't told they were invading Ukraine. And the next thing they know, they're in Ukraine and defending themselves because they're in somebody else's country and they got attacked. And I don't, long story short, what I, what, what I wanted to uh, parallel this with what you were talking about is I feel like because we're in the age of the Internet and this is a unique time in history, things like that are going to open up people's minds. Those type of things and those type of videos are so instant across the planet that it's causing new people that would be considering all those things you were talking about and joining up to question it and to think about it. You know what I mean? They're, they're start, it's starting to become even more painfully obvious to even the layman and the ridiculous yeah. person who's not even paying attention that the governments are lying and using us as fodder. I'm, I'm kind of like I don't want to cover the news about it. I don't care. Like even what you just said, I want it. I'm tempted to go. Oh, what are the odds of that misinformation? Well, what are the odds that the odds of that being misinformation are relevant to my ultimate conclusion? Zero. <laughs> like you know, no. Like don't get don't get sucked into that shit. And that's that's a really important part of the message. It's just like don't get sucked in. Don't give it energy. You know, it's, it's like it's really tempting for me as an anti-war activist even who, you know, I, I made a name for myself, you know, standing in the way of the machine and confronting it and, and you know, not, a, not in any, like, you know, substantive way, obviously, standing in front of the war machine, the global war on terror, petered out on its own momentum without my help. But um, I feel like there's some other opportunity. And then it's like, no, just, you know, recommit to what we're doing here, building Gardenia, uh, showing people a better way. Uh, helping in, in the ways that we can with home front battle buddies with other veterans, especially while Ed is locked up and you know, there's not a lot we can do, but keep developing the facility here. Um, I'm wearing I'm wearing uh, one of my festive shirts because it's uh, the spring solstice is what is equinox. it? Spring equinox. equinox, excuse me. Spring equinox is Sunday? coming up Sunday, Sunday twenty first, twenty. Anyway, it's coming up. We have a party this weekend, so we got a lot of shit going on. It was going to be kind of a quick show. We don't have any guests. If anybody in the producers club uh, wants to call in, y'all already have the link. That's kind of that's kind of like one of the privileges of producers club. You all know that anyway. Uh, if anybody else can convince Jim to let him call in, maybe we'll take a couple calls tonight. We have a few headlines. We want to kind of unpack this subject. So we have one big story from the producers club. 
uh, shared by our friend Retribution. Called this basically uh, all of our show prep tonight. Now I've got a few other stories, a few other things we're gonna cover up. Uh, cover, cover. We're gonna, we're gonna go. Through, we're gonna cover up some some stories here. I don't know. Ten signs the war in Ukraine is part of the Great, great Reset. From uh, first time I've heard of this website, offguardian.org. And we're just gonna read through the points. It's a really long article, really well thought out. Um, but we're gonna go through in each each of the ten points and and sort of. Uh, try to put them in context and, you know, apply our principles to someone else who's done the work to uh, to sort of coalesce all those ideas into a single article. So thank you, Retribution, for sharing that. Thank you, OffGuardian.com, for, uh, for putting that article together. Let's, let's, let's make this official. Joey, do you have... Well, you know, it's walking across the screen. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, before producer notes, I just another another sort of uh, overhead admin announcement here. It's in spring um, because we do the show at 5 p.m. Pacific time, and we didn't do daylight saving because we're, we're on Arizona time, and that's why I live here. Because living in Arizona is an act of civil disobedience. Of state asserting state rights against the federal government, I'm really pushing it with this. But yeah, what's what what the idea living in Arizona is that we don't do daylight saving time, and so now instead of the show being at six local time, six Gardenia time, or Arizona time, it's at five Arizona time because now Pacific time shifted and lined up with us. We have to and keep up with we, the rest of you guys. We we'll fuck our shit up yeah. Yeah. on your behalf. It's like um, everybody else in the country changed their clocks and things changed for them. So with Adam versus the man, only the people in Arizona had anything changed this time, which is the time of our show. We do this for you. We, for everybody we, else in the country, the show's at the same time. Nothing changed. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Okay. Everybody else shift instead. But it's light out. It is so light out right now. I mean, like, we're not, we're going to. We're gonna be done before sunset. Yeah. We're we're gonna finish this. So we don't have, we don't have any studio lights on here. We're doing this cabin light. I have mine ready just in case, but I don't think we're gonna need them now. We're, we're still we're still developing a sponsor deal. We are still looking to move back into the studio and fully take advantage of this awesome internet we have now that uh, allows me to see what's going on behind the scenes in the uh, in the comments. So get those comments coming. We're gonna go through the comments before we get into the links. And uh, I just know someone said nice shirt in the comments. Thank you, Clyde Rides. Jim, give us the producer. Yes, if you want to follow along with everything with the show, even things that's going on with the party this weekend, you can find such at t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. That's going to that's gonna get you connected. Okay, that's going to get you connected on Telegram. If well, you the party this weekend is kind of, kind of private. Um, <laughs> but if you thought you were supposed to get invited, do you get invited to text me? Oh, I think I confused it with the producers club, maybe. If you want to, have, yeah, it's in the producers club. Producers club members all. Yeah, they're invited. Well, you can get to the producers club through Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus Man. So if you're that hyped about it, that's where you can do that. And Adam mentioned earlier, homefrontbattlebuddies.org. We're mentioning that every show to keep it relevant till our friend Ed 
is freed from uh, captivity. So that's what we got. I got that first link pulled up too, by the way, so we can follow along when you read through the 10. Oh, right on. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's, let's get to some comments first. Um, let's see. Because first, related to our topic, Clyde Rides writes, what's the most efficient way of having a conversation with a typical soldier and getting them on the level of this perspective of their role in war? It's a great question. Can I interrupt you for a minute? Because I did laundry map today. It didn't happen today, but last week or whenever I went last, there were two veterans talking to each other about this current, you know, because it's building up and, and what, and talking about being patriotic, but kind of in, they're like, oh yeah, they lied to us over there and I, I don't trust them anymore and I can't, but then still holding on that gung-ho American pride thing. It's, um, it's a sickness. It's a great question. Uh, ultimately, you have to listen. You have to find out what their attachment and their gratification and their satisfaction is that they get from being in the military. At a deeper level, though, it really is a deep programming process that they have to go through themselves. And I think once, I mean, once you cross that line of enlisting, I mean, it's sort of like the deeper you go, the harder it is to come back up. You know, and I went pretty deep. I went, I mean, how deep did I go? Okay, so I volunteered at 17 for the Marine Corps. Uh, that, that's crossing, that's diving down one level of commitment to uh, destruction versus creation, let's say, right? Then you go another level down of completing boot camp. You, I mean, you, if, if this wasn't righteous, you wouldn't have put that much effort into it, you know? And then, you know, maybe if you complete an enlistment term, four years, six years, even two years, whatever. Oh, I did the right thing. I, I served my country and blah, blah, blah. I earned my, my benefits and whatever. But then, you know, I, I went a level deeper in that I, I volunteered for combat, you know, and I didn't go so deep as to kill. I guess that, I mean, that's, that's the, the deepest, right? It's the most destructive to directly kill another human being, right? And I, I, I tortured, I tortured, I did, I, I committed uh, relatively mild torture on orders in a combat zone. That's pretty fucking deep. That's really close to murdering another human. I mean, in terms of, like, turning away from our natural state of being, our higher calling as human beings to be lovers and creators, to turning in practice to destruction. Um... That's pretty fucking deep. It, 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 once you've made that, once you've gone that deep, the reason it's hard to come back up is it takes that much more humility and letting go and sort of self accountability and self acceptance to say that was wrong and accept that and accept yourself after having done that and to admit that you were wrong, even if it was just. Man, my recruiter lied to me, and I went to boot camp, and then I realized it was bullshit, so I smoked pot, and I got kicked out. Okay, well, like, that's, that's you know, if you had that experience, most people, you know, who, who would see it that way would not be ashamed, you know, or, or have a hard time letting go, unless they had some other attachment, right? And it was like, well, my family was all in the military, blah, blah, blah. You know, they still have some some 
attachment to militarism itself. It's an identity. Like, it's really something that becomes deeper, your yes, identity, yes, right? Yes, the deeper you go, the more that gets ingrained. It's like they say in boot camp, they, they break you down and build you back up. And for a long time, I, I really resisted it. But the truth of it is that, that if you have any habits that aren't constructive or compatible, they will break those down or break those off or break you of those habits. And they will build you up in ways that, that they want to be obedient. And I, I, I wish there was a simpler, better, more universal answer. But it starts with, with listening and talking, having that deep connection, giving them a better way. I have a handful of videos that have been effective as tools for people as conversation starters. So I'll give you that. I mean, really, it's. I mean, I'd say it's anything. Um, and don't be afraid to challenge them. Like, this is one place where you can be like, it, you don't have to be afraid of hurting someone's feelings because you can always fucking call them, oh, really, pussy? You're afraid to examine your commitment to the military? <laughs> I mean, fucking yeah, play that card. For someone who's still there, like, yeah, appeal to machismo. You mentioned um, uh, but, some videos. I like your one. Was it in New Orleans where you totally talked down a big green? It's like, I'm a Marine. Yeah, I would be bully against Kogesh and online communication action. That's one good conversation starter. The other one specifically for someone who's in the military looking at militarism as opposed to a veteran um, is joining the military is an act of ignorance, cowardice, or greed. And, and what that means is ignorance, either you don't understand what you're getting into, it's cowardice, as in you're afraid to take charge of your own life and you rather let someone else take charge of your life, or it's greed, or it's some kind of desire for some material competition. That's it. There's no use. Sorry. Like it, it, every reason for joining the military falls into one of those categories. So yeah, there's a couple good ones that I don't want to get the links in there. Ignorance is the uh, most populated category in that, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would actually, you know, don't under underestimate cowardice because and it's, it's cowardice in part by conditioning, getting back to the point of the, the interest of the powers that be, the, the makers of war in a certain kind of person graduating from high school, right, is that they want you to feel comfortable in the herd. They want you to feel, and you, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fear conditioned response in a sense. If you're not in the herd, you should be afraid. Part of, part of that's natural. Part of that's a natural instinct. I mean, we're communal creatures. We're herd animals, however you want to put it. Not trying to dispute that at all. You know, I mean, we naturally evolved in, in tribes and larger extended families through most of our history. We're supposed to be around other people. It's natural for it to be uh, frightening to be out on your own. But they do that in such a way with school as to make it so that you are afraid to set your own career path. You are afraid to be an entrepreneur. You are afraid to think outside the box. And you, you instead get the security comfort, the security blanket kind of comfort of staying in the herd, staying in the common lane, and, uh, you know, getting the cog in the machine kind of job. Yeah. Word. What else we got for comments? Has Clyde. Right. Anything else we got to jump into before 
the great Clyde Rise, the great reset, UN Agenda 21, Build Back Better Sustainability. You'll own nothing and be happy conditioning. You know, I saw a great Alex Jones meme after that came out, and it was like, you will own 40 acres, you will have a wife and kids, you will have bonfires in your backyard, and you will be happy. And it's like, there was something about, I, I didn't like all of it, <laughs> obviously, but Get the point. Um, they're like, yeah, the, 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 that's the alternative. The, and, and I might have my own version of it that I would try to make more inclusive. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, it was a picture of Alex Jones standing behind a campfire. I don't think he made it. But they were, trying, they were trying to capture that vision of Alex Jones's, which is, to be fair, a, a little bit different from mine. But the idea that you will have ownership, you will have stake, you will own your life, you will own your destiny, you will own yourself and your time, and you will have equitable rights as a human being to own a piece of this earth. Absolutely. You will have a say in the destiny of our custodianship over a piece of this earth. We gotta stop with the own language in there. Sorry, um, my hippie. You really my tree mushroom story. I do, and you're you're week. absolutely right. We told that story last week. Uh, um, but no, ownership. Ownership. I, I think. I think ownership. Joey, I understand your reluctance to ownership. Let me suggest something. Over that the might, land. Not over the land. But but why anything else? Let me let me suggest. If I manufactured this bomb and I like this didn't become less, this this is the result. It was glass. Was it on, where did you get the Where did you get the, the sand to make the silicone to make the glass? Oh, you're right. It's a spectrum. So no. So so what that suggests is an easy ah. answer that helps you embrace ownership by ownership and accepting that like yeah you own your life but you can die at any time and it's fucking over and that's that right like. I, you own your van, but where did your van come from? Like, is that any different from this land in that kind of substance that it was mined from the earth and melted into into blocks to make an engine and, and body panels and struts and blah, 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 right? Or the dinosaur juice, or you, do you own the gas when you buy it? But really, is your consciousness, the very concept of ownership, uh, an entirely human construct that recognizes the divinity of the human consciousness as self-owning. But I wonder, self-owning is one thing. Great. And I, I, so I agree with that. But even then you're custodian, you're custodian not everything. Custodian your body. Everything, yeah. But, but the problem I have with ownership is that's what people are fighting the wars over. This is mine. You can't have it. Let's fight. Instead of, I'm using this right now. I'm grateful for it. I, I, I understand where it came from. It took people's hard work. It took a piece of the earth. I'm, I'm appreciative of this. And, I want to share it with other people, and, and, and you don't have like this. Okay, so I, I want to, I think I can, I'm really glad you're bringing this up because I, I think I've solved this for myself, to my satisfaction, that it's it's not uh, it, it, the ownership problem, it's scarcity versus abundance. And you know this, you're, I know you, Joey, you know economics from being on a nerdy libertarian to know that an ownership based economic system leads to far greater abundance. Sure. We can practice it without attachment. We can we can practice it with tribal sharing. We can practice it with compassion. But if that the the capitalist exchange based ownership of property system not only will produce greater abundance, but will be the ultimate deterrent to property rights conflict that lead to war. It would be the end of scarcity, and it would be the answer to the end of conflict. Having a a firm respected concept of property rights. 
But what you're what you're actually complaining about, I think, is better defined by scarcity mentality. That's why people fight, and they they, they you know they think they don't have enough. I can't have enough. It's like we've been conditioned, and for and maybe it was true for most of human history. Maybe this is Joey. Maybe we just sit on the crux of human evolution that we are going from uh, a reality of scarcity to a reality of abundance. That that was that was the fundamental shift of agriculture, I even that. that is taking a few hundred years, and we're still experiencing. But we are the monkeys who evolved biologically and came into being for for the. 99.9% of our biological history in a, in a fundamentally different environment in terms of scarcity versus abundance. And we, really, we really do take it for granted today that, like, in America, nobody starves. And I know wow. it's kind of a weird, simplistic way of saying it. I get it. But, like, you know, there's food banks. I don't really mean to mean kids go to bed hungry. There are lots of people malnourished. But like in terms of do we have enough calories available on shelves to feed everybody in, in, in first world countries in the Absolutely. world today? Yes. And here's the thing. That is a relatively modern phenomenon. There have been great civilizations with steady food supplies throughout human history, uh, but not really pre-agriculture. And even then, uh, there were fluctuations in the natural supply of food throughout hunter-gatherer society and history. And, and there was competition for territory. You look at apes. You look at you know monkeys. Fucking brutal, brutal in a tribal combat, like ripping each other limb from limb. If you've ever studied, get empathetic of each other, but still fucking animals. So the the crux of human yeah. evolution is the shift to compassion, which requires, if not a certain level of material support for the organism to be secure, it requires a mentality of abundance. And I think that, that, that really may be the crux. Like you want to talk about meaning, find meaning. The meaning is in creation versus destruction, is, is create abundance. You know, it's, it's like, it, it, look around the world, holy shit. I, I mean, I, I, I think about so many people who don't have direction or meaning or a cause of any kind in their lives. And it's like, look at how much need there is in the world. Look at how many places that it's anywhere abundance is lacking. Where does it pull on your heartstrings the most? If you're not, if you're not, if you're not crying at some point, you're not looking. It's out there. We're not there. We we are there in capability. We're there in capacity for sure, but in practice, we're not. And it, it is uh, the failure of human social organization, failure of human systems. And that's why, for me, what breaks my heart the most is seeing how political systems interfere with the creation of abundance that would that would end conflict, that would elevate humanity, that would raise everybody up to this, this standard of evolution. What were we talking about again? I feel like we're on a big sidebar. Yeah, that was really beautiful, John. I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that. Robert Ray, listening from Delaware. Shout out to Robert Ray. Thank you. Uh, healthy disrespect for authorities on Odyssey. Yes, thank you for commenting on our Odyssey channel. Watching. Oh my gosh, where is comment removed? I was just getting ready to read that. He said, did you hear, I think it said, uh, did you hear that Putin got lied to by his generals or something like that? I don't know if it's the comments removed. I don't know if Odyssey removed it or if Healthy Disrespect removed it. Did you hear about that time they started a world war and I didn't care? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting back to uh, energy to this. Like, I, I truly believe if we ignore war, 
the people who want to acknowledge it will eventually kill each other off and it'll be ugly and, and there'll be some casualties but if you just ignore it and don't accept it and don't acknowledge it just like if we don't acknowledge authority that's unjust it will disappear well on that note let's talk about the war <laughs> why don't jim and joey stay up on that line because we're going to stay uh, stay for this, this this one big story that we're going to do before we get to a few, a few uh, quick headlines after this. We're going to try to talk about the war in context and in bigger picture. And again, thanks to Retribution for sharing this article from offguardian.org. This is uh, from two days ago, March 14, 2022. This 445 comments, for what that's worth, it is written anonymously, I believe, by a special correspondent starts welcome to the second phase of the great reset war <coughs> while the pandemic acclimatizes the world the lockdowns normalize the acceptance of experimental medication precipitated the greatest transfer of wealth to corporations by decimating smes and adjusted the muscle memory of workforce operations in preparation for a cybernetic future an additional vector was required to accelerate the economic collapse before nations can build back better. I present below several ways in which the current conflict between Russia and Ukraine is the next catalyst for the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda, facilitated by an interconnected web of global stakeholders and a diffuse network of public-private partnerships. That was already a lot of big work. All right. Words. All right, so we're just going to jump into it. This actually shouldn't really take that long. The first one, number one, the war between Russia and Ukraine is already causing unprecedented disruption to global supply chains, exacerbating fuel shortages and inducing chronic levels of inflation. Time out. Bullshit. It is all manipulated, and you cannot convince me otherwise. We've had supply chain shortages since you couldn't get toilet paper during COVID. I couldn't find Fresca. Do you remember the great Fresca shortage of last summer? Holy shit. It was nowhere. Like, this is not, no, I can't co-sign on that. But it's worse now, isn't it? It's worse now, but it's worse as if somebody flipped the switch. We have surpluses of oil. I don't buy it. So I don't fucking buy it. I don't think the author is trying to deflect from, like, the way, the way we've seen some funny mainstream media clips on our meme channels of, of mainstream media pundits going, like, Putin's price hikes talking about fuel. It's become the uh, cable news talking point. Putin's price hikes. But hey, it's okay to pay a little more for gas to stick it to Putin. We were playing Biden uh, last week. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, but here, here, but so before, with, with COVID, you had the workforce shortages. And Joey, I, I think in this sense, I want to I wanna say you're both right. You know, like, uh, yes, COVID fucked things up really bad, and there were supply chain shortages, and it was largely connected to the forced unemployment crisis. And a uh, quick sidebar on that. Uh, I did an interview. Oh, I wish I could remember who this was. I think it was last Friday. Uh, they asked me, you know, are you afraid of social collapse? In a sense, I'm really not. But then I thought about it. I was like, you know, some people would look back at, March, April, May of 2020 is a period of social collapse. I wouldn't call it collapse. I would call it upheaval. Um, but if the worst estimates of how it unfolds are correct in terms of deaths from vaccines 
and the consequences of economic and especially real estate and corporate property consolidation, then yeah, you might look at that as the collapse that led to this period of war and famine and blah, 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 blah. But I, I, is it collapse or upheaval? I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm a bright sider. You yeah, know, I don't really, changed. I don't really care to parse out the definition. Down, but but Joey, the point was, my answer to the, to, to the interview on that was, well, I wasn't really in a position to profit, but we survived very comfortably. And there were two major ways, right? And one is we weren't dependent on a man for a paycheck. We weren't dependent on hospitals or, I mean, both of us have prescriptions. I don't know. I have a couple of things I could do without. I don't like my allergy no. meds and my hair meds. I don't know if I could, I think I really need to stock up on Propecia. I mean, uh, I have vitamins, but. But okay, so, but we're not, we're, we're not like, it's not like no. if I can't get my heart meds, I'm going to die. Or yeah. my inhaler, you know, we're all, we'd all be fine out here. Um, we also had the comfort of knowing that with uh, if, if there was an actual collapse in major food supply systems, that we have options out here, right? But the second thing is we didn't get vaccinated. We didn't get vaccinated. And that you could have done from anywhere on earth, but we didn't have any pressure uh, because of our circumstance that contributed to it. And it was really just knowing. And, no, it is half the battle, right? Or whatever it is. Um, a quarter of the battle. In this case, it really was just knowing that the government's full of shit, vaccines from pharmaceutical companies uh, that avoid liability, shouldn't be trusted, and that the danger of, of COVID, whatever it may be, and I'm still kind of like, do I care to say exactly how dangerous COVID is, was? I don't care, but it's somewhere like half as dangerous as the flu to twice as dangerous as the flu. I, Somewhere in there, I don't really care. But I don't care. You, Joey, don't, I don't care. Like you want to tell care. me, that's it. it's really just, it's not. It's, I don't, I don't care. care. I don't. I don't really care. care. It's not enough. It's put it on the list of other diseases. Like humans die of millions of different things, and I, yeah, I, I don't even, I don't even feel like inconsiderate or, or, or I don't care. I, I don't. If I would the, care more about this, it would mean. I'm making a mockery of any other diseases that kill human beings. And the the pragmatic conclusion is nowhere near bad enough to get a vaccine. No. Clearly. And if you fuck that up, tough shit. Um, And and it's I I hate to say that, but uh, that's kind of the big I told you so of of the whole thing. Like if 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 you've been listening to me, I don't want to say, oh, it's all about me. No, if you've been listening to people, who, who knew to question authority, you know? Uh, so anyway, back to, to, to point number one in the story here about uh, global supply chain disruptions. The fuel and wheat specifically, and the numbers around Russian fuel and Russian and Ukrainian wheat are so significant that they are, if 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 they are not if they are not addressed, they are going to have significant ripple effects. You will step into a line. You don't think that's special? Uh, the whole world 
decided now we're going to cut off Russia and Ukraine is not going to be able to export wheat either. It's shitty. But it's manipulated. I just don't believe you guys aren't in the back office like Ed McMahon and the, or no, what's his name? His in 90s wrestling just like at the expense of other human beings. I mean, well, that's a perfect segue to point number two. The war's economic fallout will lead to a dramatic downsizing of the global workforce. I whether people aren't even interested in working anymore. Well, that's a big part of it. Is like part of it is, is that we can just afford to support a lot of vital people because we have the technology, and instead of human creative capacity being applied to create. An abundance of abundance, we can go, well, we'll have five people on welfare and we'll have one guy run the machine that makes the food, poops out the, you know, the, the, the machine that runs over the fields and poops out Twinkies. <laughs> yeah. Now, the trend in general of automation and downsizing the workforce nothing new. Um, in fact, the story says, uh, a recurring theme in Klaus Schwab's Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which I just listened to that audio book, actually. Is that groundbreaking technological and scientific innovation is the know your enemy kind of thing. We'll no longer be relegated to the physical world around us, but become extensions of ourselves. And I mean, I see a world where that technology, the trend is allowed to continue. Where specialized, you know, think about basic human economic evolution from hunters and gatherers, right? We're all hunters and gatherers, and when everybody's a hunter and gatherer, you know, maybe two people can feed a family, right? You have one guy who's a good hunter and go out and kill a big animal once a day or, or every few days. You have a woman who can tend to garden or, or forage, right? Because we're not, we're, not, we're not gardening yet. That would be agriculture. So just hunting and gathering. But you basically need everybody locally involved in production, preservation, yeah. preparation of food. That's honestly your job. It's like everybody. But, it, but it's everybody. Okay. Then, then somebody learns how to garden. Someone learns agriculture. And now that person can do the work of 20 gatherers, right? And then you get one guy, one hunter, who learns domestication. And then you've got a flock of goats or sheep or whatever it was. Those are the primitive ones, right? <laughs> you got a flock of whatever chickens, and now that that one farmer can replace twenty hunters. So what do those hunters do? It's not like they just sat around and twiddled their thumbs on on tribal welfare, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. No, that was how we developed specialization of labor. Of course. There were other things that people wanted to do that gradually got more and more efficient, like creating housing and clothing and energy and blah, 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 to the point where we're at where we are today. Whereas Joey was pointing out, there's this whole other pressure. People just sort of don't want to work anymore because our parents' generation have made so much shit. Yeah, we can just move off of that. You want to well, have a real job. Well, and then you live on welfare and be fine. And be I, I think they want you on welfare because it is... You get a minimum wage job and a one-bedroom apartment, 
it's impossible. Like you, you can't do anything on your own anymore. And I think what's coming is an offer for a lifetime welfare for sterilization. That's what, it. Kind of scares me. Could be, and, and, I, I, and, or just control. I, I don't even know what the, the, the overall motive would be: sterilization and and and. I, just let us cut your nuts off, and we will give you rent in an apartment in a city for life with a food card and your cell phone and internet. They already do that. They push abortions like, and I'm not not. You don't have to cut your nuts off. No, but they push abortions like, like, like for contraception. Yeah, I. I, If they're letting people. Are you saying that leads to infertility? Sure. Repeated abortions. Absolutely. Well, that's where that brings us back to the bigger question, right? Like, how how much was COVID? a depopulation agenda and we won't really know until we have scalable numbers for vaccine casualties and that's ongoing so we we i think if you wanted to reach back and quantify to like the first wave of that at this point maybe you could but maybe that's part of their whole plan is a slow rollout and this is just one part of it and war is another part and that that is really scary but again it doesn't challenge my ultimate conclusion. I mean, I just, getting back to the theme of the show, right? Focus on love and creation as opposed to fear and destruction. Um, I, I, I hope that's not a naive checking out. If there is an opportunity for a confrontation, I'm looking for it. But even then, it's got to be in the spirit of de-escalation. And I'm really, again, I'm really pretty optimistic. This thing about World War III or a depopulation agenda, even if their depopulation agenda was to say get rid of 90% of the Earth's population, I don't think they'll get away with it. I think the best they'll do is to really keep a lid on until we start populating other planets and, and that generation dies off and their kids don't even care anymore because they're all raised in a different environment entirely. Uh, yeah, thirteen people. Anyway, wait. Uh, <laughs> the percentage of women, fifteen to forty-nine, currently using female sterilization, eighteen percent. Long-lasting contraception, ten percent. Still fourteen percent. What is that? Eighteen, twenty-eight, plus fourteen, plus five percent. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of people that are, and and we don't know long-term effects on the. Reproductive system of these things yet. Well, you think about all other countries too. Um, feminism, and I don't mean the, the pure ideal feminism by which the definition of I am a feminist and that I believe in you know, equality between gender. Like your gender does not define your rights or privileges as a human being, but I believe that genders are inherently equal across the board and should be treated equally in every instance, of course not. Um, but, but that vision of feminism, that modern politicized leftist vision of feminism has done a lot to discourage women from having children in their younger years to the point where a lot of them are sort of practically incapable. I mean, is, that, is, is, that a, is that a genocide? Is that an intellectual genocide? All the would-be babies that weren't had because women took careers instead of becoming housewives. I know that's kind of very simplistic. I don't, I don't really mean it that way. Be, uh, Derisive at all. I'm not. I'm not trying to judge. But that's kind of the language we hear describing this. Five rides has a comment: the Wildlands Project is supposed to move our population to the cities 
going to remove human access to public land, the NAFTA Superhighways, the NAU Transportation System, Northern Arizona University. I know NAFTA no. Superhighways. North American. No, North American Union. <laughs> Duh. I should have known in that context. Um, yeah, there's, and they use right over there in Flagstaff. <laughs> Go Lumberjacks! <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the, the uh, I, I mean, in a way, uh, living off the, you know, living off the grid the way that we are, say off the land. We're not quite living off the land um, uh, yet anyway. But uh, not living in a city is, it, I don't, is it civil disobedience only in that sort of softer sense? of choosing where to live. Uh, but it certainly is an act of defiance when you know that a major, excuse me, the majority of the super class, right? I think it's pretty safe to say the majority of the super class would like you to be herded into cities. Yeah. Uh, would they like to kill you, depopulation? I don't know about that. I, I would say it's not the majority yet because I don't think those people are winning. But I don't think they of, care if you live or die when it comes down to it. Not, look at how okay. people are being herded into cities. If it's the majority of people being herded into cities, then and if they didn't want that, they could change that. They're not. Therefore, pretty safe to assume that most of them want that for a lot of reasons. It makes sense. So in that sense, it is at least an act of defiance to say, I'm going to live completely out of the city, not in a suburb or just completely off-grid, really. Um, yeah. Robert Ray, I refuse to get the poison jab too. I don't even get the flu shot. Yep. Um, if you still don't get the so Clyde is a pregnant question. If you still don't get the COVID vax, what do you think about the possibility of vax shedding? I'm going back to the birth control, abortion discussion, and how many hormones is in our food and fluoride in our water. They're already doing it. If this is something else, it's going to be something else in the human fuck up petri dish like like covid is something else in the natural petri dish does that make sense i, I was gonna let you answer i thought you were gonna say something about women's periods that I was well that's you I, look, like, i'm not even i'm not going to gross detail for you guys it's just not been right since covid and i'm not the only one of my girlfriends who was experiencing such and i'm hearing it everywhere and i didn't get the vax and i don't think i got covid i was probably around people with covid we were all over the fucking country so yeah. Well, so there's two possible, well, the threat of the vax, uh, the threat of the virus, right? It could be that mild, and this could be in how it's engineered. Although this is, I, I would I would think not in the sense that you see the super class fuckers, they're still kind of rubbing elbows with the public. They're not afraid of the virus, they're afraid of the vaccine. Yeah. Right? They can avoid it. So I don't think if the virus is engineered, or at least if they did, if it was something it was a threat. If the virus itself was a threat to your fertility, you would see the super class peoples taking distancing and isolation seriously. You're not. So I have to assume I think it's a pretty safe assumption. But the vaccine, and, and, and actually I would say probably with the vaccine too, for the same reason. The shedding, we've seen limited reports of women. Uh, oh, significant reports of people who have gotten the vaccine. Uh, women have women who menstruate, um, menstruators uh, having having, Damn, having issues after getting the vaccine. Pretty safe to say, along with the trend in blood clotting, that that's part of the vaccine. 
but does it affect women around them? That's, that's sort of the heart of this question. We don't know. I'd like to think since the superclass isn't worried about it, it can't be too much. But just like what periods can think of with hormones. I was going to say, that being said, if like there could be just a chain reaction of like hormone changes, maybe it's psychological, maybe it has to do with the vaccine, maybe it's, I mean, look, it, it is a, I don't even know if science has figured it out, but it is an absolute fucking fact. Women will sink their periods up as long as they're not on birth control. If they spend time together, and, and that's got to kind of chain react a little bit. Yeah, I gotta, this is the first time I thought of it, but I'd go back to the same reason, because the super class, they're demanding that all of their servants and butlers and drivers and everybody's security detail around them, they're demanding that they're vaccinated. So if they yeah. were concerned with vaccine shedding for the same reason, same logic as with the virus itself. I don't think it might be a thing. I'm not saying it's not a thing. But if it is, it's on the harmless level of it's going to be a hormone a fluctuation with period timing. Not it's really going to fuck you up. Right? Or right. or the super rich elite have the super secret anti-vax facts. A different one. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard of that too. I hate taking a different vaccine. Anti-shedding vax. I think that's too complicated. I, yeah. You're right. I was just being funny. There is that outside possibility. I can't discount it. But... Um, I believe anything. No, no, no. They were ninja dosing soldiers with LSD in the fifties. <laughs> I, I, I won't. I, I don't put pa anything past the government anymore. And how so, anybody does, knowing what we know, is just beyond me. Right now, this is where it could be really interesting. Where it's a war between competing factions of the super class, and they're like, "Look, us thousand cool kids are going to get the antidote to the virus and the vaccine." And be bulletproof, and we're just going to keep it sloshing around for everybody else until they're fucked. Could be, it's possible. Crazier things have happened, certainly, but I, I think that's in the realm of just statistically super low probability. I hope that's not being too optimistic. All right, number three: the war has significantly reduced Europe's reliance on the Russian energy sector and reinforced the centrality of the UN Sustainable Development Goals and net zero emissions which lies at the heart of the Great Reset. Yeah, so definitely around the energy industry manipulation in general, there's the whole Great Reset, global warming. Um, I don't know how that really relates I mean, to this, though. Big button, God, I don't think they really care. In the clouds, like, Great Reset. I think, I mean, I think, I, I think climate change is real. I don't think man-made climate change is significant if it yeah. is real. And I think it's primarily politically relevant for you. I mean, I think pollution is a real problem. I'm a fucking tree hugging hippie. Literally, I yeah, we can do literally better. Hug trees. I literally hug trees. I, have do I own I'm the custodian of several 600 year old trees. On and, and I, off I hug them on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, and and I still think that the issues with immediate pollution, destruction, the environment, natural resources, the fact that we fucked up fish with mercury, for example, I think there are much more acute problems with environmental pollution than the issue of climate change and global warming. And its most immediate political relevance is in keeping people beholden to the left. Uh, and, and the Democratic Party in the United States throughout the world, obviously other political parties, either you're on the agenda or you're not, but the people who uh, kind of drive that are the ones who are gonna profit from the manipulation of the energy industry, even for petty ways, like, well, we got this subsidy for solar, this subsidy for this energy product, project or that kind of thing there's so many it, it, it's kind of like COVID 
but much slower, right? You think of COVID as at the pace of the pandemic, this unfolding conspiracy of conspiracies, right? Remember, we used to talk about it this way all the time, where if you saw an opportunity, you're BlackRock and Vanguard, you don't have to literally conspire the plan of the whole pandemic. You just go, they passed the word to us, all the media companies we own. Hey, get the word to those guys. Hey, they're going to get on board naturally because yeah. it makes them important, right? Hey, that's going to happen with just a little prodding there, right? And there, there are independent conspiracies within that conspiracy of conspiracies that is the COVID response because a lot of people saw how a lot of different cartels saw how they would profit from working together to blow up the threat of COVID and, and make the response more intense. But climate change could be seen the same way. Who stands to benefit? They're the academics, they're the research people, they're the politicians, there are the propagandists, there are the nonprofit groups, and I think most importantly, there are those who are able to control the manipulation of the energy sector through policy, killing projects, green lighting projects, things like that. If, if you can raise an army of protesters to put uh, an end to your competitor's pipeline, for example, what's huh. that gonna, how much more are you going to make huh. of that, right? Yeah. And meanwhile, these people are literally writing regulations that are halting technologies where we would be energy efficient. We're a lot more energy efficient, sufficient, independent. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. I mean, Tesla figured it out and... Uh, they, the super class, as they be back then, threw Edison in front of them because it was going to profit them more. Yeah. That still goes on. <coughs> well, so, Jim, I mean, just to touch base with you for a minute here, living in Phoenix, being the most Babylonian of us right now, um, what are, what are, how are, yeah, how are gas, what's the smell of Phoenix right now? You know? <laughs> I mean, what are gas prices in Phoenix? uh dancing with the devil down here in phoenix uh well I, the general gas price is 459 in the area in the city it's i get it at 429 439 usually but what do we see in california i saw 669 and that was before it even hiked up so that place is probably over seven dollars yeah. right now uh, what was it called? I don't, it was the last gas station leaving California before Needles. Nothing for 200 miles, and I had to get at least four gallons to get me to where I was going. And it's like $50 for four fucking gallons, and it was a terrible thing. It was a terrible thing. I think most people uh, who are in this vein of it's okay to pay more for gas. It's okay if the price jacks up because Pete Buttigieg says you know, just buy it. You can't, you can't afford $8 a gallon gas. Just buy a $50,000 electric car. What's wrong with you, idiots? Uh, you know, what's the big deal? There's, uh, I, I think they're, just, they're all just taxis of the oil and gas industry. I mean, I, because they're saying we're willing to limit the competition in natural gas to drive the price of natural gas up in order to push people towards alternative energy vehicles. And I'm actually all for that on the conclusion. I share it with them. But the nonviolent answer, the non-interventionist answer is better because if you get government out of the way, the price on all those optionals 
uh, all those optional uh, systems that people want anyway will come down way more than endorsing the idea of government intervention in the first place. So I, I really think that's that's it. I mean, if you're if you're you know global warming warming or you know sort of activist, and your point is to limit fossil fuels, and I I am for the limiting of fossil fuels in, in the bigger picture, absolutely, but not. In, I mean, I'm going to drive my truck. You know, I, I think. I think we should until we make that transition. That I hope happens as soon as possible. Yeah, man. But yeah. as long as you are patsies for oil and gas in the conventional current energy industry, we're not going to get that shift because it just entrenches those technologies and entrenches those companies. I'm looking for the meme. I don't know if you've seen it, and I can't find it, but it's like, you're mad about gas prices. Well, I'm grateful to be living in a free country where I can buy a car and get a job. And it's crazy. And it's the memes got like a, a paragraph squished into each thing of a gas station. And I don't even think I've read the left the can't meme. Yeah, left, the left can't meme at all. It's true, crazy. true. All right, number four, food shortages created by the war will offer a major boon to the synthetic biology industry as the convergence of digital technologies with materials, science, and biology will radically transform the agricultural sector and encourage the adoption of plant-based and lab-grown alternatives on a global scale. I don't think that has to do so much with the shortages caused by that, except in terms of creating an artificial incentive, which is good. But like this is we're talking about, or if we're talking about you know, like non-GMO, pure crops harvested in food towers or in bunkers or in some, you know, clean container where it's hyper-efficient and it gets processed into food bars, like, I'm for it. You, can, you know, if, if there's a way to do that more efficiently, like, I'd rather have it distributed to be more natural, like us growing our own food here or farmer's markets, but compared to sort of primitive food processing that we're going through now, we're capable of so much high-tech, healthier food processing that, again, it's going to be controlled. It's going to be manipulated. It's not going to be ideal. But I think this general shift is actually good. No argument. This is where Retribution is going to listen to the show later and be like, Adam, everything in that article was supposed to be doomsday. Everyone's going to the silver lining and shit. Bright cider. Yeah. Number five, Russia's exclusion from SWIFT, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, foreshadows an economic reset, which will generate precisely the kind of blowback necessary for corralling large swaths of the global population into a technocratic control grid. Swaths. It's a very dramatic word. I like, I like that choice. SWIFT, the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. Swaths. Uh, oh, swath, sorry. Yeah. Like herds of people. Swaths yeah. of people. This I author has a certain it. verbosity. I like it. It's enjoyable. But this is a place where I think the battle could go either way, and this is where it's kind of fun to watch. Uh, but I, we have Bitcoin. We have crypto. We have ways around it. We already have MeshNet. But yes, the next battlefield will be controlling digital money. How true is this government got a hold of crypto somehow? They're taxing you on your crypto. Like there's there's things and stuff now that wasn't there. Yeah, the executive order on the regulations of crypto. 
Biden gave recently. And some bullshit article I read about it was trying to convince me that some of the big names in Bitcoin were excited about the regulation. I was like, oh, that's when I stopped reading that bias. Stupid we story. love paying taxes. Yeah. It's great. Well, they, no they tried ever. to spin that it was going to raise the value one way or another, supposedly, or they were saying that they were at least happy that the value didn't plummet as soon as the executive order went out. And that was <laughs> so I, I have I have one much bigger fear in all of this. And I hope that some crypto nerd who can tell me I'm wrong is listening and, uh, and, and uh, soothe my fears here. But have the Bitcoin in existence or locked up in a single account, right? I've heard this. Satoshi Nakamoto's. Who's? Satoshi Nakamoto. Isn't that the guy who made Nintendo? No, that's just the... <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo go. Moto. Yeah, right. Isn't that a Nintendo character? Isn't that... Isn't there a bunch of mystery around that guy? Like nobody Isn't, that a di- Isn't that guy a dinosaur? Isn't that the dinosaur with the eggs? <laughs> no, but uh, the, as long as Satoshi Nakamoto remains anonymous, it could be government. Right. I've said that before. The government's most ingenious plan to give us digital currency and make us think it was our fucking idea. Well, I I have, I, this doesn't shake my faith in cryptocurrency and what Bitcoin makes possible. But it could be that someone in the super class said, you know what? Our time with fiat currency is coming to an end because of the internet. Because people are going to have gold and silver digital accounts, not crypto, but they're going to, there's going to be something. There's going to be something digital, something virtual that that we can't control. That is going to just we can't stop the competition. It's just going to outcompete with all fiat currency. So let me get something ready for the next generation, at least for my family and in the next generation. My family, my descendants will be the only survivors in the super class. Everybody else will be poor again, right? Be, uh, I don't think that would be a good play. Because right? we have half the crypto. But the people have the other half, and way more numbers than one person. Well, it'll maybe the last a generation, but how much would that fuck things up if they were really planning on doing it thoughtfully and they actually had that in there? When shit gets crazy and when they run out of plays like wars and pandemics and i mean what, what what's next natural disaster we're gonna have a flood an earthquake a meteor i mean if if world war three doesn't take off if, if, if the people rise up as i as i hope and or at least lay down instead of rising up for world war three right um we're gonna take this war laying down instead of getting up the fight we're going to take this floor, yeah. floor with our bongs in our hands. No, healthy disrespect on Odyssey says, um, I don't even know if you're talking about this topic, but it, it works. Why would we Why would we buy anything the media is selling? And the media is really selling crypto. So how much can we really trust in it? I mean. Um, uh, reluctantly, but well, again, it's one of those things. Could go either way. Could go either way. All right, number six. This war marks a major inflection point in the globalist aspiration for new international rules-based order anchored in Eurasia. Um, there could be a geographical lame. shift here. Rules are lame. Yeah, rules-based order anchored in Eurasia. 
That's the um, general statement I've ever heard. I, well, it, it's shifting of power structures. And a big part of it is China versus the U.S. And just again, I, I think this is much underreported that Russia has, what did we say? We covered this one thirtieth the economy of the United States, whereas China has almost the same size or by GDP. It's still China's is a lot less. Um, but that China being a new center of power, if the superclass wants to run things through China or there are remember the superclass is not monolithic. It's really a, 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 there are groups of competing alliances and families within the superclass. And so to sort of study this from a geographical shift perspective is kind of interesting, but I don't really care. Let's get through the rest of the list. Seven, with speculation mount, mounting over the war's long-term impact on bilateral trade flows between China and Europe, the Russia-Ukraine conflict will catapult Israel a leading advocate of the Great Reset to even greater international prominence. You know what? I haven't really untangled this whole thread yet, but it is going to be interesting to see because Israel is going to be much more directly affected by this than a lot of countries and see a lot more opportunity. For sure. really, really, yeah. Yay, yeah. opportunity. <laughs> No, bad status opportunities. Okay, number eight. It is now common knowledge that digital IDs are a central plank in the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda and are to be streamlined across industries, supply chains, and markets as a way of advancing UN 2030 SDGs and delivering individualized integrated services in future smart cities. Ooh. I can't, I can't there, bash right? this advancement of technology. Can it be act and be used for evil? Absolutely. But so could fire when we discovered it. So, and I can't endorse like holding back or being scared of or like I can't. But they're gonna turn off your chip. I I they're just gonna turn off your but, chip. Like ah, they're gonna no tattoo. No tattoo. He doesn't have a tattoo. Why, why come you don't have tattoos? You just don't have to be scared of technology. And people who don't want to live in the smart cities will still be able to come buy a piece of land in the mountains of Arizona and do it their own way. Like that's that's never not going to be a thing. I, I don't. This is one of those technologies. I, I I share your ultimate sentiment about. But I kind of wish it would wait until we got rid of government to really yeah. roll out. Yeah. Uh, Bad time. I mean, you could say that about everything, though. Like, let's wait to get the car until we have free market roads. <laughs> it's like, until, let's wait to have the automobile until we get past the cartelization of the oil and gas industry that will inevitably lead to resource wars for oil in the, you know, the 21st century, right, in Iraq and Afghanistan. No, it's not your joke. So in that sense, it's not a reason to suppress or to be against the technology. But what is the implementation of this, you know, without uh, without government? Could it be security here, like in Gardenia, if we build a wall or a digital wall? If it was cheap out of the box, we could put a little RFID chip in people we wanted to be whitelisted who could 
cross the border without triggering a security response, maybe. Cool. You know, like if it was as, as easy as that. voluntary, I'm yeah. good with it. I don't care. Like that. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I think we'd have to get a lot of other technologies implemented before it's a priority. I think government pushing this is pushing it sort of early. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of other things we should focus on before we go there. I agree. It's, it's going to be vaccine passes that are going to be like, if they, if they do it, that's going to be there. But I, I, I'd like to think the COVID narrative is falling apart now that it's kind of fading. Like they're not going to be able to hold on to it. But one scary long-term possibility is vaccine passes being a long-term thing. I, I think I don't. I'm pretty optimistic about that from from my reading of the news. I mean, Joey, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the last couple of weeks. I'm, I, the threat of a vaccine pass being relevant is kind of fading. I don't think it's going to be a thing after a while, is it? I don't think so. They're dropping the mask mandates. I heard the TSA just drop their mask for yeah. environment. Like, no, it's ending. It's highly possible also that, you know, they're really good at getting you to look at the left hand with the so you don't know what the right hand is doing. It could be, it was all this static going on and people were starting to talk about and even uh, stand up against the vaccine passports. So, hey, look, there's a war going on over here. And while we're busy with this in the middle of the night, one of these nights, they're going to pass some rule or law that just next time they mention the uh, vaccine passports, they won't be asking nicely. They will have already written <laughs> down on their magic piece of paper that they have the authority to do whatever the fuck they want in the middle of the night while we were talking about Ukraine. You're very right to suggest that possibility. I think that's just extremely low likely, and I don't think they have uh, even the, the public credibility to do that. In order, Jim, let me put it this way. I think in, in order for that to happen, something else would have to shift. Like, there'd have to be a variant that's actually relevant or, you know, a different strain or I don't know, something, man. something where they like a button for them. What, <laughs> what if, what if Putin outlaws masks and ends COVID restrictions? Healthy disrespect for authority says that just happened yesterday. Does that mean like the bad guy just outlawed masks? So we need to, we need to mask up to, to fight back against Russia. They would twist it. I'm not saying I think the left would love that. Let's not lie. Could turn into. We can't let Russian tourists visit anymore. Yeah, that's more. A real, it's 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 how they can because sanctions have always been about punishing poor people on behalf of rich people, one way or another, right? But in this case, finally, they'd be able to say with government, like, no, you made the poor people toxic with COVID. They've all got the cooties. So they're not allowed to travel to our country anymore. And that kind of isolation long-term of a country. Uh, although I did I did love, there's so many variations of the meme. It's kind of like it wrote itself when Coca-Cola and McDonald's and Netflix and Disney decided to stop doing, and Pornhub decided to stop doing yeah. business in Russia. And it's like, geez, after six months of no corn syrup, porn, or distractions, Russia's going to be the best and foremost well-adjusted society and healthiest people on the planet. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, the economic deprivation from the kind of isolation, even just on the oil and gas, Joey, I know 
Maybe you don't have the same appreciation of the scale of significance of that that I do. But I think even just the oil and gas sanctions on Russia are going to have massive negative repercussions for the Russian people. Unless, and this gets to the more fun part of this, what's, what's, what's Putin really up to? And again, I, said, I, I mentioned this earlier. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's way more clever than people give him credit for. I think what's he's Biden really up to? Really, I mean, seriously, what's any of them really up no, to? No, 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 no. Putin specifically with this invasion, I think, and he might be a pawn of, of World Bank people or the Chinese government or somebody else entirely. But Putin would not be doing what looks so stupid on its face if he didn't have some other motivation. I think he's got an ace up his sleeve. And it might just be, hey, if I do this, the dollar's going to collapse and everybody's going to forget about little old me reclaiming a little extra territory. In fact, dollar collapses and the global economy collapses, but the ruble is stable and the uh, not though, is it? Chinese renminbi, I hate that word. If the, if the Chinese currency and the Russian currencies are stable, or they have some new digital currency, while the world reserve currency of the U.S. dollar is collapsing around them, then oh, we get to reclaim all of the former Soviet bloc states. We get to create some kind of, and it might just be a financial alliance. It might just be a new center of power, the way that the European Union and NATO were functional political military centers of power. You could have something that's more aligned with Russia and China, and and this is just to trigger that. And and Putin saw the opportunity. I think that I think that's way more likely to explain Putin's actions. And all I mean, like the thing about all the criticism from the mainstream media of Putin in the West is is not just that he's evil and conniving and greedy and imperial and inhumane. It's that he's stupid. They're saying he's stupid. And that's how I know you shouldn't believe it. Because Putin, say what you want about him, really smart motherfucker. Number nine, Europe is directly in the line of fire with a hybrid war between NATO and the Sino-Russia axis is underway. So, yeah, that's kind of to my point. Sino-Russia, as in Chinese-Russian. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what was the first part of that? Europe is directly in the line of fire. I don't know it's line of fire, um, but that there's a shifting of the balance of power, clearly, coming out of this war one way or another. Uh, the author says, one can imagine how accessing the Internet or public services in the aftermath of a nationwide cyber attack may require citizens to use a digital ID to authenticate their online activities and transactions from a legitimate and non-malicious source. And it talks about the sort of related cyber war possibilities and that a lot of the stuff is going to go virtual and if that's the case whoever has the smartest hacker on the side of their government when the shit goes down i'd like to think decentralization and encryption is somehow going to beat this and just not being dependent on any such centralized vulnerable system but again joey if you let them give you digital ids even if it, they'll give you a digital id and say oh no this one's voluntary did anybody did anybody get forced to sign up for Facebook? Yeah, because your friends are no. fucking butting you about yeah, well, it. Well, you can't get into the club and the fast pass line if you don't have your RFID chip in your wrist, Joey. Yeah, I'm not, if you like Joey, you, you can't go to the concert 
If you don't have this RFID chip in, in between yeah, your phone, it's it. just going to go right there with it. Well, so we, the advancement of technology has nothing to do with the strong arm of government. As long as government exists. No, because, because in order for a corporation to exist, to run a complex enough system to manage a digital RFID like body fast and chip, they have to be vulnerable to government coming in and saying, back door, please. Well, as long as government exists, I'm not arguing it's a threat that. to that. And so don't let them put it in your body is what I would say. Oh, no, I wouldn't let, I, I, But no. you say, you say the same thing about Facebook. Don't let them put the Facebook in your brain. And you can get it out. It's taken me a long time. It took me a few years of, like, deliberate disengagement. Anyway, number 10, People final. literally putting Facebook into people's brains right now through Facebook. I literally, <laughs> literally putting. If you're watching this on Facebook, go watch somewhere else, preferably Odyssey, please. Number 10, economic implications of this war will be so disastrous that governments and the public sector will require a significant injection of private capital to, an, to address the financial shortfall. And this is to any libertarian who studied fiat currencies and central banks, like, oh, no shit, there's going to be injections of cash here and there that they're going to use that as an excuse for. So... I think that's good. That's good. It was an hour of like, hour of puppies. Because they want our attention. Okay. Well, we should wrap this up. Let's get to the, we're going to do a few good news segments. Joey, tell us what happened in Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky had some uh, cannabis legalization advancements. Medical bill in committee. Kentucky, though. I'm surprised it's even in committee, to be completely honest with you. I mean, that's some deep stuff. Shit, right there. Last bastion. But I wonder what it looks like because Virginia legalized for medicinal, but like you literally have to be dying, and they give you like very low dose, like under ten percent THC RSO. Like RSO is the oil, by the way. You can't get flour. You can't get vape pens. You can't. Get, it's very limited. There's no medical there, as far as I'm concerned. So I wonder what this bill looks like. But uh, again, baby steps to freedom once. Because, fun story, um, uh, sex work, when it went illegal, it was federally legal, and the state individually criminalized it, and the feds stayed the fuck out of it for years, and it was like 10 years after over, you know, the majority of the country criminalized sex work, that the feds finally stepped in and said, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll blanket this, and, and I think we're going to see the same thing with cannabis, so... We're, we're right there. You call it oh, in play. the beginning of All the right. end of the... The beginning of the end. The end of the beginning of the end of the war on drugs. But now we have transitioned. We are clearly with where we're at with psilocybin. Somewhere in the beginning of the middle of the end. Of the oh, war. yes. Uh, Dr. Bronner's is getting involved with the psilocybin push forward now. Oh. Uh, and, and who else? I took a, there's a bunch of psilocybin news I meant to send to you today, but... Also shared in the Producers Club from DailyVeracity.com, FBI documents reveal U.S. may have funded Charlottesville rioters through Ukrainian neo-Nazi yeah. documents show ties between Azov Battalion and U.S. rioters. Have we heard uh, from uh, Christopher Cantwell lately? No. Christopher. It's just, I don't, is it true? It's just hilarious that it could be. I wouldn't be shocked. This is, government does this. There's, it, 
plenty of declassified things dating back to the history of the beginning of government in every country that uh, yeah let me put my shock face on all right so to some actual good news to wrap things up this is actually at cnn.com and it's kind of a joke kind of a tourist promo thing don't want to discredit what we're doing here with the microstate. But this is getting us to consider, of the Garden of Freedom and Gardenia. This is getting Joe and me to consider the terminology that we might actually differentiate ourselves from micronations as being those that include things that are not serious and don't really care about recognition to microstate. We want to be a microstate because we're statists. <laughs> but micro, we're really tiny statists. We're, ti we're just, just tiny, just the smallest. Yeah. Um, but this is a cool story. They bought a Caribbean Caribbean island to start their own country, and it's really more like a tourism thing. And it's it's a tiny one square mile thing off of Belize City. But uh, it's very cool that that idea is becoming more trendy. Even if I'm, I'm I don't know as someone who takes secession and decentralization and and micro states. And, and even, I guess, nations very seriously as exercises and assertions of sovereignty and, and individual human rights or even collective human rights. I don't know how I should feel about someone taking that and using it for just kind of a fun touristy thing where they're clearly saying, I do, we're not on actual freedom. Yeah. We're on. not challenging the sovereign or the, the, the authority of the government of Belize here. Okay. All right. Well, good luck. I hope it has a positive effect overall. Finally, from goodnewsnetwork.org, we actually have some really cool stories from this, this past week. Breeding ground for green sea turtles reports 500% boom in number of eggs. Yay, yeah, turtles. turtles Miss all of this. Way to get laid, man. Fun little study. Two-thirds of Brits, that's the people, the British people, love the mood boost they get when doing something eco-friendly. Me too. Like we knew it. We knew it. Me too. I, I, I've been in bliss here. Just, I mean, today I hurt my shoulder a little bit more doing uh, we're rolling rocks around again. <laughs> uh, but like the chainsaw work when my shoulder hasn't been bothering me at all. You didn't you hurt know. our friend, did you? No. The rock no. movement. No, no, he's fine. Okay. It's just me. I, I only hurt myself. With the <laughs> no, it's 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 weird. I've been going. So I've been to people who don't know. Like I fucked up my. My right shoulder, deadlifting that bowler right over there uh, in September of last year, and it's still fucking bugging me. I've been going to physical therapy and getting dry needling, and it's released a lot of tension around it in different areas. But it looks like it's like a fray in the front rotator cuff, and it's like as they the, the physical therapy guys I'm working with this identified and stretched out different parts of tension that I've been using to sort of compensate, it's sitting differently and getting sore differently. And so it hurts. And hopefully that's that's setting it up to heal more. If you saw me during the show doing this a couple of times, it's like it feels like I have to crack you know that feeling when you have to crack your knuckles? It's like that on my shoulder, but then when I crack, it's just really Ah, I can do it this time. Oh. It's just really painful. <laughs> the tension goes away. Uh, anyway, two final stories here in good news. This portable EV charger is an electric vehicle. is a game changer for drivers who need to plug in. 
and I've been saying this for a long time, charging stations are not going to be a thing for electric cars in the future. Battery pack change-out stations are. You pull in, drop your old, your empty battery, put in a fresh battery, drive off, boom, boom, boom. With plug in and charge, fuck that. When there's so more of them on the road, so, absolutely. Like, it, yeah. There's no way now, that, that, that that's the, that, that charging stations as opposed to battery exchange stations is the end game, or at least if that's not another phase that's coming. It could be a leak plug. I don't want to say that for certain. But now you have like a basically a portable battery pack for cars. The way like you know I have this little one for my phone here. You know I plug a USB cable in. I wish phones were like that. I could come home and swap out the battery while the other one's charging. Well, maybe it's kind of designed. Maybe they're, they're, this is going to be the evolution of electric car designs that you just say, and it's it's a suitcase. I think it. They got a picture of it here on the story. It's like a big wheelable luggage thing with a handle even that looks like a normal <laughs> wheelie bag. Anyway, last one here. And this is, I'm kind of shocked that this has been suppressed as long as it has. It gives me great hope to see the story. The perfect energy source is already here. I'm not talking about love. We're not talking about love. Oh. Endless geothermal is poised for release from deep in the earth. Now, I don't, I, I can't completely blame government for the fact that we don't have abundant geothermal power yet. But we can blame government for us being at least a few days behind where we would be with it if it wasn't for the entrenchment of the oil and gas industry and the suppression of new technologies. Blah 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 blah. blah. Be off my soapbox. And with that, Jim, give us the producer. Hey, yeah. right on. Let me click over. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One other promo. I guess this is kind of with the producer notes. Our guest from last week. Mark Eglinton. He's sending me all his books. I'm so stoked. Thank you, Mark. If you look at his pinned tweet on Twitter, at Mark Eglinton, and it's kind of how you would assume it's spelled. Egg with one G. Lynn Ton. Eglinton. Mark Eglinton. Mark look, look, at, look at the video list. It's, it's right there. Also, I retweeted this yesterday morning or something. Anyway. No domain of the John McAfee Day's book NFT on Bitcoin. This is one of those things where it's like they're not trying to make the NFT something it's not. It's a cool limited edition for thing for this book um, that I support because it's a really beautiful, powerful way of telling John McAfee's story as we covered in the interview with Mark last week. If you didn't see it, please go back and check it out. No domain of the John McAfee Day's book NFT on Bitcoin with at Canon Canonic XYZ minting now. Excuse me, 218 limited edition signed books plus access to a private discord server with me and amanda milius for exclusive access to the making of the documentary so here actual legitimate use of nft to create a fun limited edition collector's item with book and special access and it goes in signed physical copy. so check that out oh. if you haven't yet read or listened to no domain the john mark Eglin. all right now it's your turn Jim. Outstanding. Well, that is definitely something that is going to be in both of our Telegram channels. The one you can pay to be in, the private uh, patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man, or the free one, t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. Get yourself connected to whichever you prefer. And don't forget to visit homeprepbattlebuddies.org. Read the entire website. Get yourself updated on the information. Thank you very much for enjoying the show. See you guys next week. All right. And with that, Mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. 